everyone. Welcome to episode nine. nine. And happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, happy Valentine's Day. Hopefully this will be up by tonight. <laughs> I'm going to... Slash happy belated Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Is that how that works? Yeah, this is our love going into tomorrow. The yeah. 15th. The 15th is honestly a more important day for me. Um, because it's half price chocolate day. Right. I mean, not even half price. Some of it goes up to like 70%. It's so good. And tomorrow is Susan B. Anthony's birthday. A lot of one's important to you. Well, I guess it's important to everybody. Just letting you guys know. Um, in case you were wondering. In case. In case. Okay. Well, um, so we're not doing our random decider this week. I'm taking the, uh... The initiative. The initiative. The bull by the horns. Hi. Um, getting up and going someplace. Oh, she's closing the door. I'm closing. <laughs> but um, so yeah, I'm taking the initiative this week because I just want to get my part over with. Um, because um, okay. love was a little bit hard. Love was pretty hard for me. Not gonna lie. And I mean, there's a lot of stuff that can relate to love with that, but I kind of didn't want to do um something that was like super duper morbid or something that was like oh man I love this girl so much that I killed her like that was like the only thing that was jumping to my mind right away unfortunately because I wanted to do romantic love right and that's like it's so hard to do it without being like creepy um so I was thinking about doing like getting married in the afterlife like you know when one of the people who's betrothed dies the other one still marries their corpse keep them like married and then I was like looking into all these things I was like are you still married after both of you die and spoiler alert most religions no you're not still married <laughs> there's no marriage in the afterlife for some reason I really wish you did that topic because I was intrigued I'm like what the fuck well that's another that's another that's episode an- that okay, for some other day <laughs> But, so what I finally settled upon was something that I had already kind of touched on before, um, in our Death in the Family episode. Okay. So I did Memento Mori slash, specifically, um, post-mortem photography in that episode. Yes. And I kind of wanted to touch back onto Memento Mori, but basically, um, specifically, the locks of hair. So that's kind of what I'm oh, okay. pointing to this week. Very cool. So, blocks of, like, hair is super important. I mean, it's not as important as it is today, or today, as it was back in the Victorian area. Area. Back in the Victorian era, like the 18th, 19th century. Um, but it was once believed that, and I mean, a lot of places today, it still holds a lot of power. And I mean, hair is a sign of beauty. It's a sign of... Um, health, which isn't necessarily true, but I feel like a lot of people have those sort of stigmas. Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, if you see somebody who's bald, I mean, not so much for uh, men and masculine people, but if you see, uh, like, an older woman who's bald, you're like, she's probably had cancer. And that's just something you think, unfortunately. Yeah. (laughs) But... So, it, it it still has power and weight today, but back then, there was, like, a huge thing about it, and a lot of people gave locks of hair to one another as a sort of symbol of your love or a symbol of remembrance. So, I was doing a lot of research, and a woman named Lisa Butterworth had done a pretty lengthy article on this. It was really interesting. I really liked it. Um, but she quoted Helen Shoemaker's book, Love and Twine, The Curious History of Hair Work in America. 
And hair work is basically, uh, this is not the quote yet, um, but <laughs> hair work is basically doing um, the crafts, jewelry, hair wreaths, lockets, anything with the hair that you, you were receiving from this loved one, whether they were still alive or deceased. Um, because it was a big practice to cut hair from the deceased body to keep with you. So hair work is what they call the work done with that hair. Um, and it assert, the, the quote from the book is, Hair work asserted the importance of the individual in a physical and emotional way. Today, when we encounter hair work in the odd bit of jewelry on display at the, a museum or in a novel, or in a hair wreath at the local historical house, or in a loose bit of hair in an old letter, we confront a relic of the living, breathing reality of someone long deceased. So it's like, it's this really cool thing, because it wasn't just something that they owned, it was something that they grew. Like, the deceased person grew this. This was a part of their... But I think that's why people find oh, it so morbid. I get it now. <laughs> so I was like... How is the dead person growing anything? Because they're <laughs> dead. Okay, I'm there now. Yeah, you're there I'm now. I'm there now. Yeah, no, no. They grew cool. it at one point, and it was clipped from their body. Because, I mean, if you take, like, a, uh, I mean, we taxidermy animals all the time. And right. it's a little bit creepy. I think it's creepy. <laughs> no, I'm going to lie. It's pretty creepy. But, um, I mean, I've seen one or two people taxidermy, like, human things, but... I couldn't imagine it. I couldn't. No. I mean, teeth are one thing. I like teeth. I'm that morbid person who likes teeth. Uh, That's cool. Hey. <laughs> but, like, you can't take, like, a human finger and wear that. You can't. That's I weird. I mean, you could. You could, but, but it's, it's not. weird. Yeah. I mean, I guess bones would be a different thing because we keep human skulls all the time. Um, there's, there's also another tradition, uh, I actually have this myself, when you pass away, if you get cremated, you can have your ashes stuffed into small pieces of jewelry. Yeah, I have on. one. Yeah, I have one too, um, of my father. My mom and my sister also have one too. Um, so that's a little less, in <laughs> that's a little more inconspicuous than if you had, like, oh, a absolutely. fucking finger hanging around your neck. Because I have my best friend's ashes. And I have that in a little pendant, and I was going to wear Aww. that my wedding day, just so he's with me. And Henry's going to wear his fedora, just so he's he's there and present. So, because we're morbid as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Um, so yeah, so it's most commonly the hair work was put into um, lockets, jewelry, uh, things like that, especially if the person's deceased. But, uh, so... I kind of wanted to get into briefly before going back to uh, some of the uh, history of it. I kind of wanted to get into a little bit of the symbolic nature because I like was reading the Wikipedia page because I'm an awful historian. <laughs> <laughs> Just a FYI, Wikipedia is actually a very good source for information because it is edited by so many people and if you do something wrong on it, you get banned for fucking life. Oh, really? Yeah, you do. And a lot of the times, um, museums are actually working with Wikipedia um, to edit yeah. these since it's a very big crowdsourcing opportunity. I also, I've participated in a few Wikithons um, at RIT where we would edit the RITpedia. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty, so yeah, just, no, Wikipedia is a pretty good source. Um, these days, now that we've... Yeah, these days. That now that we've moved on from just free crowdsourcing and you can post whatever the fuck you want, and now it's like, 
being peer edited only like a million times. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so a few of the uh, the, because I mean, um, I mean, hair is obviously a very big like uh, sentimental factor. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is the hair of my loved one. If you have like a lock of baby's hair, that's super sentimental, uh, especially if the baby passed away. Which I mean, eighteenth nineteenth century, easily done. Oh, absolutely. Um, but a few of the. Things that were listed on the Wikipedia is a primitive belief maintains that, um, so if you own a lock of hair from somebody's head, it gave you power over the individual, um, much like owning a piece of their clothing or, um, an image of them. So, like, this traces back to, like, uh, magic, pagan, voodoo, stuff like that. So if you have something of theirs, then you have power over them. And I mean, magic and hair can even be traced to, uh, the biblical story. Um, Which one? There's a lot. I know there's a lot. Um, it was in the song. I really, I'm. You can tell I haven't been to church in eleven years. Uh, <laughs> um, Samson? No, probably not. I'm not a religious person. Was it with Solomon? Solomon, maybe. When they cut the girl, cut his hair, and he lost all of his magic or all of his strength. Yeah, I've never heard that one. You've never heard that one? That was, like, one of the most famous ones. And it was in church like... for 16 years. <laughs> well, that was, like, one of the biggest ones to, like, besides fucking Eve to, like, uh... I know the prostitute that cleaned Jesus' feet with her hair. No. That's the one I got. I mean, that was pretty powerful, too. Yeah. But, um, another one that I found really funny is a, uh, an old Irish superstition. Irish have a lot of superstitions. Like, it's yeah, fucking Irish. stupid. But, I mean, I'm sorry. It's great. I love it. <laughs> but sometimes you gotta stop being afraid of fairies. Um, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. But those fairies. No. Running those supernatural things. No. Wow. Wow. I didn't get that reference, but wow. Um, natural fandom for the win. Oh my god, Amanda. But, um, no, actually, I take that back. Maybe you should be afraid of fairies. I don't want anything <laughs> to happen to me now. <laughs> I'm like, wait, was that too hard? Okay, anyway. Um, but yeah, no, an old Irish superstition held that, um, it is actually unlucky to accept a lock of hair. Or a four-footed really? beast from a lover. So if a lover gave you a lock of hair, it's unlucky. They're literally the only people in Europe, slash they're not really part of Europe because they're an island, but like the only place that yeah. would say that it's unlucky. Yeah. Because that's like all over the world. Mm-hmm. Maybe in like, maybe not in Africa or maybe, I don't know. But yeah, no, I, I wanted to get into that, but I didn't At least in the Western world, that's like a huge thing. <coughs> so, from Irish though. The Irish. Um, so, it also, in the Victorian times, it was common for bereaved members to keep locks of hair from um, their deceased loved ones. Um, Which totally makes sense why we have two locks of hair of Susan B. Anthony. Oh, really? I don't know we had Susan B. Anthony hair. Yeah, we have two. One before she died and one when she was laying in state. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. so, they, they, they often did that. I actually have a note here about it. Um, where it is said that, so especially if the person was famous enough, you'd take it um, beforehand, and then while they're relying on, yeah, yeah, they would take it from the back of the head so it wasn't unsightly. Right. Um, yeah, but basically, a lot of the people in the Victorian times, especially, kept it in small jars, 
lockets. Um, they made it into bracelets or earrings or anything wearable, really. And um, a lot of the reason for um, a lot of this and how they're such big pieces sometimes, especially with like whole bracelets made out of hair or the hair wreaths, is because a lot of the time women went their entire lives without a haircut. Um, so it was that something... That makes so much sense. Yeah, so it contained their entire lives. Like, you know how um, there's actually uh, different cultures, I believe in Japan, um, if you cut your hair, it's kind of like starting over, or you cut your hair after a long um, period of time or something like that to have a new point in your life. I've done that <laughs> once or twice. Um, well, I've done that once. Uh, it's kind of like, it's a new chapter because... As long as your hair grows, it's been with you through everything that you've done. Right. Um, so cutting it off is kind of like, okay, here's a new stage in my life. Um, so when they die, it's practically like a film reel, but not really. Right. Um, so when you make something out of it, I guess it means even more. And so the hair work actually spiked during the Civil War because men would give their wives cuts of their hairs to remember them by. And it's seen in old letters, packages of sentimentality, things like that. So you, if you have old letters from the Civil War, war era um, stuffed up in the attic somewhere sometimes, like from your like great-grandpa or something. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Great-grandpa? Great-grandpa? Great-great-great-grandpa? Great, 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 I don't know. At least three greats. At least. At least three greats. Maybe four. There's, there's, there's lots of hair up there. Um, but, um, and especially during this era when things started to become more scarce, women started to DIY their own jewelry from their hair. So they would make the brooches and um, pins and things like that. So that was kind of a... I mean, hair's really pretty, so I don't really even blame them. Like, if you look at some of these things, they're gorgeous. Like I haven't like, seen any of these, so for me, I'm just thinking of, like, my hair tie and how it gets all my hair caught in it. And no, no. It so, like, they're, wrist. like, they braid the hair and then they put, like, lacquer over it. So it's, like, shiny and it oh. has a smooth surface. So it's, like, a braided texture underneath. Like, it's really cool. I'll have to, um, I'll upload some images to the Facebook after this. Okay. Um, along with this episode so that we have, uh... Some reference photos. Yeah, so this is... Because these are really gorgeous. I think they're really pretty, and I know they're a little bit more of a nowadays, especially with that intro that we had, um, introducing them, but, yeah. Um, so, back to, basically, the thick of it. <laughs> the thick of it. Um, because <laughs> it's hair! <laughs> uh, that was such a bad joke. You're anyway. so funny. Oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, um... So, it started to dip at the end of the 19th century due to technology coming to the focus. Um, we've gone past the Industrial Revolution, all that good stuff. And so, since technology became more prevalent, people wanted more mass-made items. Mm -hmm. And like, sentimentality dropped with the items. They didn't want as many oh. sentimental items as they wanted things that were quick and easy to use. Two more fun facts, and I'm done with my segment. <laughs> Um, so one of the biggest collections of hair work is an Independence, Missouri Museum, and it was collected by Layla Cahoon, Cahoon, C-O-H-O-O-N, um, and it features over a thousand pieces of hair work. Whoa. Yeah, that she's collected over 30 years, or not 30 years, 60 years. That's um, crazy. And then Edgar Allan Poe's hair is, like, floating all around. Like, there's at least 12 instances of his hair. Um, I think in North America alone. Um, 
I want some of that. <laughs> Just attached to letters and other things. So it's not like super duper. Uh, it's cool as shit. It is really cool, but it's not super rare. I, mean, I love Edgar Allan Poe. I don't care how fucking rare it is. <laughs> but um, a lot of it was given as a gift while he was still alive. And then a lot of it was taken from the back of his head, too. But like, it's. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. But, yeah, so that's hair work, and, alright, so we're gonna pass this over to you. So, in the beginning, I was like, I just want to do, like, a quick introduction, and then I was doing all the research, <coughs> and then it just turned into such a big topic that I just was like, fuck it, that's my topic for today. Alright. So, because it's Valentine's Day, I wanted to give you guys... A little overview on why we have Valentine's Day in the origin story. Oh. And then I realized, shit, books have to do with it. So I'm like, yep, I'm keeping it. Oh my god. It, it happened. Okay. Just let it happen. Some people know this story. Okay. Some people don't. Okay. But this is like, I probably read 10 to 15 sources for this shit, and I cannot even start to piece together what the fuck this holiday is. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm so confused because no one actually knows. <laughs> this is, is going to be a roller coaster. <laughs> so, in 1853, uh -huh. the New York Times called Valentine's Day, and I totally agree with this, now doing the research, quote, one of those mysterious historical or antiquarian problems which are doomed to never be solved. Oh, yeah. That's where we're at. <laughs> There's so many of us. Just to preface this. Oh my preface god. Preface the preface. Uh, so the most common origin story comes from ancient Rome mm -hmm. and the festival of Lupercalia. Okay. So Lupercalia is one of the goddesses of Lupercal. Mm -hmm. Is one of the goddesses of fertility. She is the mother of Regulus and Romulus. Oh yeah. Uh, the two founders of Rome. Yeah. So she's their mother, and so it's a festival dedicated to her. Um, it's a wine-induced fertility rite where men and women are paired off. It is characterized by modern-day historians as a day of nudity and debauchery. Wonderful. <laughs> Including, quote, men getting naked, sacrificing goats, and then using strips from the skins to chase and whip nearby women. What? Thereby improving the women's fertility. No. Like... So no. sheep and I heard also dogs that they would do that. Well, and it's like, it sounds, in my head I had a picture of naked women just running around with naked men chasing them, trying to whip them, but actually women were lining up. And it was like the civil thing. It's not like they were chased around. Women were lined up to get whipped with these skins because they believed it would help them produce babies. And it was like this really sacred thing, and it was an honor to be chosen. Like, it's crazy shit. Oh my god. <laughs> um, it, it gets more screwed up. Rome is fucked up. Right. And the ritual also included a matchmaking session. Okay. Which bachelors selected the names of their sweethearts from the urn. So all of the available women put their name in an urn, and the men drew them out. Whoever they got was their sexual comrade <laughs> for a year. Sexual comrade. Well, it was sexual companion, that's it. I know. Sexual companion just... for a year. Like, what if you got weird Larry? Like, <laughs> can you imagine that? If you got the weird guy? <laughs> I know. I mean, I wouldn't even be happy about the situation in the beginning. Like, <laughs> I'm gay as fuck. <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> paired up with some guy. 
Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> for real, though. Like, seriously. Okay, anyway, go on. So, this festival is traditionally on February 15th. Okay. And then Rome became... Uh, this is during the time, so this is, like, ancient Rome into middle Rome when there's still an empire, but they've kind of fallen before they fell, mm-hmm. and Christianity comes in. So you've got people who are still practicing these pagan ways, but Christianity's like, LOL, you guys suck. (laughs) (laughs) You guys can't do this anymore. I mean, I'm kind of glad they got rid of that one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, Pope, I'm going to butcher this name, Glacius, Mm -hmm. in the 5th century, declared that the day, February 14th, would become the first feast day of St. Valentine. Okay. Um, And so this... So, historians are kind of like, okay, so the Catholic Church is trying to step in and convert these pagans to Christianity by still giving them... Their holiday. Their holiday and this this fertility rite. Yeah. But it became so much more tame. Uh, first, they put their clothes on. <laughs> it became a clothes festival, and it became a little less drunken. But other than that, <laughs> not much changed. Oh, my God. The ideas of fertility and love were still there. Mm-hmm. And actually, I read that a lot of the pairings um, from this festival actually turned into happy marriages. Oh, well, I guess that's so, a little bit better. It's not like it sucked for everyone. A lot. Of, this is where a lot of people met their, their husband or their wife okay. was through this festival. Okay. Um... So, this is where everything gets so fucking complicated. Okay. Because there are three different St. Valentines. <sighs> oh, good. Recognized by the Catholic Church at this time. Oh, my God. And no one can pinpoint which one it is. Fucking hell. Right. And they were all martyred on February 14th. <laughs> they were all martyred on February 14th? At the same year? No? I'm, no. I, it might be the same year, but it doesn't say. It doesn't say. <laughs> The record, everything I'm just like, says, St. Valentine <laughs> was martyred on February 14th. And I'm like, oh, cool. And then one source says all three were martyred on February 14th. I'm like, okay. And then someone's like, but who was the real St. Valentine? I mean, yeah. Was he really martyred on February 14th? So, yeah, really, we, we don't know. That's we the mystery. We don't fucking know. That's- it's the same guy. It's just the same, like, three different places. Right. Basically. We had clones. So, the first St. Valentine is said to be a Roman priest mm-hmm. who continued to perform marriage rites to Roman soldiers, even though it was illegal for soldiers to get married. Aww. Um, and, of course, he was a Catholic. Uh, and then he was martyred. Killed and martyred. The other, the second uh, St. Valentine was said to have helped early Christians escape their Roman tortures. And the third is the most popular myth mm-hmm. that states that St. Valentine while he was in prison, fell in love with the jailer's daughter. And before he was beheaded, no. And then, so when he fell in love with her, she was also blind. Because, <sighs> of course. So he heals her blindness, and that converts the jailer to Christianity. Oh my god. And then he's beheaded. Because he's still... But before he's beheaded, he writes to his to the jailer's daughter from... Writes the letter, and then signs it, from your valentine. Which is where we get the whole, oh, be my valentine for my valentine kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, so anyway, he's martyred. <laughs> but today, okay. if you ask someone who was St. Valentine, they're going to tell you that he was a Roman priest who 
performed marriages, even though it was illegal, Mm -hmm. who also helped Christians escape their tortures. And while he was in jail for marrying people, he fell in love with the jailer's daughter, cured her blindness, converted the guy to Christianity, and then he was killed. So all of these mythos were put into one guy, even though they are three different people. Because we don't know who the fuck St. Valentine was and which one it is. Honestly, honestly, I'm all for truthful history and a revisionist history, but that makes a pretty good story, and I'm very fucking happy we learned that one in fucking school. See, I was sitting here thinking and remembering, I'm like, wasn't there something with a snake? I'm like, no, no. <laughs> I don't I don't know anything about a snake. <laughs> I don't know anything about a snake, snake either. Um, but go, go ahead. So, we're finally going to get to the books. <laughs> <laughs> so based on this information, historically, Valentine's Day was not about love at all. Okay. Um, that is until Chaucer, in the 14th century, made it about love. Good. Um, Chaucer did this out of convenience, it's actually argued. <laughs> <laughs> because, so St. Valentine's Day, even then, was February the 14th. Uh-huh. And in the 14th century, when Chaucer was writing, Britons believed that February the 14th was the beginning of spring. Oh. And so he wrote the line, for quote, For this was St. Valentine's Day, when every bird of every kind that men could imagine came to this place to choose his mate. Oh. And so that is the line that sparked this whole notion about St. Valentine's Day being about love and finding your mate and basically building up, making the foundation for the modern day implications mm-hmm. of Valentine's Day. <laughs> And then after Chaucer, uh-huh. Shakespeare has to come and just build up this idea yeah. even more. And he's mentioned St. Valentine's Day in Hamlet. Mm-hmm. Um, so after Chaucer, the day became synonymous with, quote, courtly love. Aww. So courting. Um, so what did I say? Out of convenience. It's literally because the name was the most tame out of the rest of the saints that were being celebrated in February. You have saints like Saint Scholastica, oh my God, Saint Ostrobertha, Saint Eulalia, and Eromenhild. Wow, this could have been Saint Scholastica Day, but it's not. It's Saint Valentine's Day because fucking Chaucer. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh my God, thank you, Chaucer. Um. So all of those other saints were also being celebrated in February, uh-huh. but he's just like, Valentine sounds good. And it was yeah. actually a very popular name back in the 14th century. Oh, I kind of So assume. Chaucer just kind of was like, yeah, that makes sense. There you go. And he decided on it. So I found other like really fun facts about St. Valentine's Day, okay. and I really wanted to share them. Go for it. So you know how people write XOXO? Uh-huh. Do you know where that comes from? No. Okay, so... It comes from the ancient Greeks. Okay. Because Greeks. Um, and the letter X is the Greek letter chi. Okay. And it's an abbreviated word for Christ. Oh. So going on a Christmas tangent here, when people put down Xmas for Christmas, they're not being rude or invalidated in Christmas, which I've been told many times in my life by calling it Xmas, you're actually being historically correct. Oh my God. <laughs> because X, Christ, miss. You're literally being fucking correct. That's how Greeks even did it. That's how Romans did it. Like, fuck off. <laughs> Fucking incredible. Um, so the X, mm-hmm. when you, when you signed a contract, you signed by the X because you're making a vow to God. Mm-hmm. So the X is the vow to God. Oh. 
And the O represents a kiss for sincerity. Oh. <laughs> well. So everyone thinks that the O is the hug mm -hmm. and the X is the kiss. I never knew which it's one was which. the opposite. It's the opposite. Wow. The X is technically the hug. Um, today is Frederick Douglass's birthday. Oh. Um, but we don't actually know if it is. Oh. Um, since he was a slave, there's no record of the day of his birth. Mm -hmm. So he kind of just got to choose one. I mean, I would choose Valentine's Day too. He More chose, power to him. He chose Valentine's Day because when he was a child, he was separated from his mother. Uh-huh. And one of the only things he remember about her was that he, she used to call him her little Valentine. Aww. So that's why he chose Valentine's Day. Let me say you cry now. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I have a, my next fact will make you laugh hysterically. Okay. <clears throat> so hundreds of years ago, uh -huh. the children of England would dress up as adults on Valentine's Day and sing door-to-door. -door. They'd basically go Christmas caroling on Valentine's Day, and they had like their own songbook and everything. <laughs> And they would dress up as adults. It's very strange. What the fuck? I, do, I don't even know. Um, in addition to his links to love, St. Valentine is also the patron, well, one of the saints of St. Valentine's. One of them. One of them. Uh, the one that we, we say is the saint of love. He is also the patron saint of beekeepers, epilepsy, the plague, fainting, and traveling. The plague. So and if you don't want to get the plague, you pray to say oh, okay. Valentine. If you're a beekeeper, Valentine is your man. <laughs> and if you like to travel like I do, he's also your guy. It's like choosing a D&D &D god here, but it's all wrapped up in the one. Right. <laughs> you have no choice. Oh my god. Um, in the Middle Ages, young men and women drew names from a bowl to see who'd be their Valentine. Kind of like the ancient Romans. So this is where that tradition came from. Mm -hmm. But instead, they would wear the name printed on their sleeve for one week. And this is where we get the origin of the expression, to wear your heart on your sleeve. Oh! It comes from a Valentine's Day tradition. Holy shit! That's amazing! Yeah! Um, on average, mm -hmm. 220,000 Wedding proposals are made on Valentine's Day each year. Oh my god. If you're one of those lucky ones, congratulations. So I'm going to reverse these two. So I think this is really funny. The Catholic Church struck St. Valentine's Day from the official calendar in 1969. <laughs> what? So the Catholic Church does not actually recognize St. Valentine's Day as a holiday anymore. But the rest of us do. But it started out as the Catholic holiday. So yeah. let's just talk about that for a second. Oh my god. Right. I think it's because they don't even know which St. Valentine's is anymore. Oh, you know. And they're just like, fuck it. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye, Felicia. And then my last thing is really cute. The oldest surviving Valentine dates from 1415. Oh, really? It's a poem written by Charles, Duke of Orleans, to his wife. At the time, the Duke was being held in the Tower of London following his capture at the Battle of Agincourt probably butchered that. That's okay. Maybe. I don't know. So that is your little... That's so cute. Cute little history of Valentine's Day. Oh my god. Thank you, Chaucer, for the modern Valentine's Day tradition. Thank you. So Alright. So next thing is inspired by fiction. Yes. I'm so excited. You're so excited? I'm I really figure it out for me. Um, but I'm excited to hear yours. Um, it's gonna be, I have a feeling mine's gonna be really long because there's just so much 
complexity behind mine. Yeah. And yet there's so much hatred towards my topic. <laughs> no, not by me, but like, oh, by I other was people. trying to talk to Henry about it over dinner, my topic, and just hearing his opinions on the topic, mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, do actually, people actually hate this? So... I'm really excited. Oh, shit. I'm excited to I'm hear so it excited. now. I'm all about the discourse. Okay. So, yeah. So, next week is Inspired by Fiction. We hope you had a really good Valentine's Day. Yeah. Um, And I hope this is up before midnight, but we'll see. <laughs> It'll be up before midnight on the fucking West Coast. Yeah. <laughs> We're East Coast, so. Right. Yeah. So It'll be up West during... Coast people. When it's uh, still Valentine's for somebody. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we will see you next week. Have a great night slash morning slash whatever you're doing. Yep. Bye. Bye.